Welcome to Proven Improbable, where we focus on metals, mining, and more. I'm your host, Maurice Jackson. Today's show is dedicated to investors that are speculating for a golden opportunity, as we will uncover the value proposition regarding one of the largest undeveloped oxide gold deposits in West Africa. Joining us today is Ron Little, the president and CEO of Orzone Gold Corporation, trading on the TSXV. O-R-E, and on the O-T-C-O-R-Z-C-F. Thank you for joining us today, sir. Thanks for having me. Mr. Little, for first-time listeners, please share, who is Orzone Gold Corporation? Yeah, I think you've coined it already that we've got one of the largest deposits in West Africa that's not developed. Uh, we've been there 20 years in Burkina Faso specifically, which is just north of Ghana in the Gold Coast of West Africa. Uh, during the 20 years, we've discovered the largest mine in the country. We were developing it in 08 when the market crashed, and we were basically bought out by IM Gold for a deal worth about $350 million. And as part of that deal, we spun out Orzone Gold. So this is the second generation. We kept several properties. We sold a couple along the way and redeployed that cash into developing Bombore. So we've taken Bombore from really a half a million ounces to uh, over five million ounces. Uh, we're optimizing our feasibility study and hopefully by the end of this year we can finance building a 250 million phase one project, oxide only. We'll get to the sulfides later on in, in the life of the mine, but uh, you know we're, we're an explorer about to become a producer. Uh, and of course this all comes down to Gold price in the market's helping us along the way. Now, Mr. Little, your company, Orzone Gold Corporation, was one of the featured exhibitors at the Sprott Natural Resource Symposium. This, in essence, is the golden seal of approval by the preeminent name in the natural resource space, and I'm speaking of Sprott Global Resource Investments, which is quite the distinction. Please share with investors the significance of Orzone Gold Corporation being inducted into this elite group of issuers. Yeah, it's a very good point. It's all about exposure. Uh, Orzone One, let's call it, was also part of that group. Sprott was a very big supporter uh, of, and this was back in Eric Sprott's days, of, of our first adventure. And then now uh, Rick Rule and his team have been very big supporters uh, on an equity basis of, of Orzone currently. And uh, Sprott is now becoming a, a big lender to projects. So. Uh, we've certainly heard Rick Rule get up at, at recent conferences saying that Sprott would like to finance the entire project. That means debt and equity. So, as you said, that is a, a real seal of approval, uh, especially when we're trading at a deep discount to our peers. I think, you know, this presents an opportunity now to look at the story before we put all the final pieces together. Now, Ron, let's discuss some of the unique features that separates Orzone Gold Corporation. What can you tell us about the board of directors? Yeah, we've got a small but uh, very experienced board. Uh, ironically, first off, uh, Joe Conway joined the board a couple of years ago, and he was running IM Gold when he took us over. And, and Joe's got a lot of experience in West Africa building and managing mines. Uh, Patrick Downey has just become an executive chair for being a director for five years. 
very committed to the story. He's he's built and run mines exactly like our phase one. Uh, Mike Alverson's been part of the board for 20 years and really changed chair from from himself to to Patty recently. Uh, Mike, very experienced capital markets guy and. Uh, Really been a mentor for me for years, being a technical person, turning you know towards running a company over the last 20 years. Uh, Keith Peck, uh, you know, one of the top corporate finance guys who is basically retired from the business, but still you know privately helps out companies like Orzone to to get through the the capital market phase of building mines and or you know assisting in in any kind of a transaction that might be a str- strategic alternative for us. Um, you know, I should also mention that Tim Miller, who's not on the board, uh, he's a real mine builder, built and ran mines just like the one we're proposing. And he was years with Calamus, uh, then carried on as their top mine builder and operator down in South America for years. And his early career was in Ghana for seven years. So, uh, you know, we've got we've got the uh, call it that core group that can set out to uh, to build a mine if if the market's right or as per last time, uh, you know, there's very few projects that are ready to build that are permitted. I'd say there's less than 10 of us worldwide, and somebody still might come out of the weeds and, and decide that they'd like to buy us rather than let us build it. Now, tell us about Ron Little, the CEO. What makes him qualified for the task at hand? Uh, well, I, before, you know, founding Orzone, I spent 10 years part of finding and building mines from Ontario down to South America. It was a bit of a fluke of why I ended up in Burkina, really just through my contacts. But I'm an engineer and a geologist, and uh, you know, early in my career got a chance to sort of do it on my own. Um, you know, of course, I thought it wouldn't take 20 years to do what we're doing, but you know, these things take time. So you know, part of the strength is putting together a great team we got a fantastic geologist who's better than I am, Pascal Marquis. Uh, he really get, deserves the credit for, for taking Essacan from a million ounces to five million before I am gold bought it. And we've done the same together with Bombore. So, uh, you know, as, as much as, you know, as much as having the determination to do this, you have to uh, have a lot of good people behind you. And we've done this as well in Africa with an all-African team. So on the ground, it's really Pascal leading the charge, and we've built a team for over 15 years of all local guys, and that, that wins us a lot of credit in, uh, in the country as well. Where are you domiciled? We're based in Ottawa, which is a little off the track. Most juniors are in Toronto or Vancouver, maybe a few in Montreal. But I grew up in Ottawa. I married a French gal, and, you know, the the Burkina Faso Embassy is actually in town here, but I do a lot of traveling. At the, you know, we're low burn rate, low overhead by being in Ottawa, basically. You mentioned it earlier, but just for clarification again, where is your flagship project located? Yeah, Burkina Faso, uh, which is north of Ghana, north of Ivory Coast, tucked up under Mali. It's about 1,100 kilometers in from the coast, but a bit more unique, we're right on the highway, right outside the capital city, whereas most mines are, you know, three to five or six hours away. So we can, we can bus people back and forth. Mining is still new in Burkina. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's new for people to work 12 hour shifts and live in a bunkhouse. 
Uh, land is quite cheap in Burkina, so a lot of the guys we hire will end up building a home or they'll live in a village nearby and they can be at home at night and that actually reduces our overhead costs and, and you get a better morale uh, at the mine site when guys are home at night. Uh, you know, you mentioned the location. The infrastructure is is critical here. It certainly reduces a lot of the costs. And then you have the intrinsics, as you mentioned, of being able to go back home and keep the morale high. So thank you for conveying that. Are there any reversionary interests on this project, or is it 100% owned? It is 100% owned. When you get a mining permit in Burkina, which is where we are now, you end up uh, converting 10% equity interest in the project to the government and the government gets a sliding scale royalty anywhere from 3 to 5% currently. So, you know, at a thousand or less you're 3%, then you go to 4% until you reach $1,300 gold and then it's 5% above that. Uh, when you combine that with a lower tax rate, it, it, it equates to the country gets about half of the benefit of the project, or about 45 to 50 percent, which, which would be very similar to what would happen here in Canada when you're including a much higher tax rate. So um, we, we did sell off a small royalty to Sandstorm, who were very interested in the project uh, a couple of years ago. Rather than sell equity, we, we basically called it a loan with the collateral being the royalty and we're just in the process of buying that back now. So there's there's no other third party interest other than what the government gets and that's a standard formula. Now what should investors know about Bombori? First off, uh, scale. Um, it is the not only the biggest undeveloped at the moment, it is the biggest footprint. Um, it's well over 12 kilometers long. We've been drilling two kilometers south and hitting better grades. Uh, we've got a company south of us 10 kilometers. They're drilling and hitting a new zone. So we're part of a big belt, but it's clearly the biggest footprint in the country. Because it's so large, we've only drilled it to just over 100 meters deep, and, and that's to get it to 5 million ounces. And, and of course, we can carry on and keep drilling deeper. It's just because the our share price has been so weak in the last few years in a bad market, it was not accretive to drill and add more ounces. But you know we're now back drilling to show the market we can add more, and I think that's our biggest leverage. Uh, I'd mention phase one of 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 building were were unique in that our our phase one is pretty much free digging soft earth. Uh, the rock has has been exposed for years and is rotten, so we can cheaply mine this, process it, make a very good margin, pay off the initial capital, then maybe after three or four years, particularly if gold price is a little higher, now we can expand the plant into phase two, which would process the, soft, the harder rock below, uh, which would be only about 50 meters down. So the phase one is is a pre-strip to really phase two and uh, of course stripping away those oxides now lets you mine the sulfides a little bit cheaper. Ron, two-fold question here. Can you please provide us with a narrative on the resource announcements over the last few months and what is the end result? Yeah, this has been topical for sure. Um, 
you know, looking at our stock chart in August, you can see we were pretty much cut in half from a dollar and a quarter to, to 50 cents. Uh, we announced a potential revision downward on our resources by up to 30 percent. Um, it took us a couple of weeks to find out why we, we received that kind of guidance from our engineering consultants. Once we looked at it closely, we found that really we didn't include all the data. Uh, I'd say we were at fault for, for not managing our consultants properly and specifically telling them, you know, here is what we have outlined. There, there are more drill holes and intersections. Please include those in the model. And that didn't get done. So it took them several months to add well over 300 wireframes, all on the same method. There was no additional drilling, no changes to gold price or any parameters. And we basically, you know, clawed back, let's call it, more than half of those resources. So we're down between 10 and 15 percent at the moment. Um, and we have a much more conservative model than we had previously. And, and any, any lender who would approach us to build the mine would have would have followed the same method that we have just done. We've effectively done their work for them to access the debt and one would expect to drop by 10 percent under the more rigorous and conservative method that we have done. So keep in mind this was a resource estimate. Uh, the next step you take the resource, turn it into a reserve if you apply the same factor of, of 10% less ounces, our reserves now might go from an 11-year mine life to nine and a half. And I think we're clipping off really ounces from the back of the mine, not the better grade ounces up front. Uh, so we might see a slight drop in our return and our NPV, but we don't expect this change to you know, kill the project or materially uh, change, you know, the, 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 the interest of the lenders, for example, on the project. Can you give us a timeline on when we may expect to receive an update on the reserves and optimized feasibility study? Yeah, uh, it's going to take us till the end of March to, uh, to turn out a reserve internally. It'll take RPA, who, who did the resource, who, who are also doing the reserves in the mine plan, to update the mine plan, as I, I mentioned, we're, we can selectively mine the best grade up front, and that way you get a quicker payback. Uh, the previous study had a two and a half year, 2.7 year payback. You know, we, we're still anticipating that kind of a metric, at least to be three years or less. And uh, to optimize that plan, it'll be the end of April, early May. So. Let's say we'll come out in early May with the optimized study. Uh, we would, you know, press release that and file the full document sometime in May to June. All right. Now, realizing this is a forward-looking statement and you touched on it briefly here, can you share what can we expect based on the resource change? Yeah, I think one thing we've done is we've uh, we've we've taken some of our previous blocks and called them inferred, even though they are well located around drill holes. We won't go back and drill those to upgrade them. While we're mining, we will upgrade those blocks, and they will effectively 
you know, part of that will become ore. Um, we do, since we don't get credit for it now, that will effectively drive our strip ratio up a little bit. Um, safe to assume since we're predicting a 10 to 15 percent reduction in resources, let's say our strip changes by 10 to 15 percent would be an easy thing to predict. Uh, that drives our costs up slightly. Uh, but of course, you know, if that turns into ore while we're mining it, well, that'll reconcile and it'll bring our cost down. So it, it is going to change the upfront numbers, but, um, you know, I think not a material enough to kill the project. And if, if gold price starts to go up even by $100 between now and May, I think the market will likely overlook everything that's happened here because of the scale of the project. And, um, the fact that we can step out now and drill and show the market we can still add more ounces. Let's focus our discussion now on permitting. When are you expecting the mining permit documents and clarity on the mining code that applies to your permit? It's a very good question because it's really our last bit of overhang. Um, the government uh, voted in a, a 2015 mining code uh, this was the transition government of 2015. Then there were elections and a new government in place last year. And they never imposed the 2015 mining code, which effectively had a 1% additional royalty. So say the 4% would go to 5 and 5 would go to 6 over 1300. They also wanted to take away a tax exemption for the mining companies. Uh, our current tax rate is 17 and the standard rate is 27. So those are the two most material changes and we, when we apply those to the Bombori model previously, our IRR dropped from about 25% return to about 22%. So it, it, affects, it affects us by 25 to 3% on our returns at a 12.50 bull price. So again, it's it's not material, but it, I think the unfortunate part is that it sends a signal to the market that Burkina would like more, uh, you know, and the gold price really is, is still down near its bottom. It's not a great signal to send investors uh, that, you know, even though the company's built nine, nine mines in 10 years and it's deemed a very attractive place to build mines, it, it is going to have you know, it's going to give us some headwind as we're trying to finance this project. Um, and now clarity is going to be good. I think uh, from what we've been hearing from the government, they're keen to provide clarity on the new code, how it will apply to the companies uh, during Q1. And uh, I think we're, it's going to, you know, we're going to find out shortly how they're going to impose it. And I think since we were approved last August and we still haven't seen our document, uh, safest thing to is, is to assume that they are going to apply the new code to us, even though we should be, you know, in our opinion, under the old code since we applied under the old code. Um, you know, I guess like any government, they figure if they apply it to everybody, it might be fair and just, but, uh, um, you know, this is a nuance of, of what we're going to potentially face. And again, does that 3% make a big difference to us uh, in a rising gold market? Uh, it may have less impact, but if gold stays down at 1200 uh, you know, we're best to note that it still will be a little headwind for us. All right. Now, with regards to drilling, how much drilling is planned 
and what are the various targets? Yeah, I mentioned we, we, we have been drilling and hitting. We started drilling in November knowing that we were going to have several months to get through the feasibility update and and showing you know investors what happened in the resource it became obvious we should start drilling and showing the market uh, regardless of our call it management management issue of RPA we can still add ounces uh, the permit to this you know Bomboria is made up of, of a couple of permits uh, outside of the mining application is one exploration permit with a good target it's sulfide only, it's right at surface, and it was averaging two and a half grams per ton, which is, you know, two and a half times our average one gram ore body. So we've, uh, we've announced a week ago we've hit more holes, even better grade than two and a half, and, and, and really this underscores our, our true leverage. Nobody gives us any credit for the two million plus ounces of M&I sulfide resources very close to surface if we can show we can increase that average grade with other zones then that brings down the effect of gold price that makes that economic so our goal is to continue drilling oxide and sulfide resources we'll start with about a million dollar Canadian budget and it might go to two or three uh, in drilling expenditures by June that's the start of the rainy season and we might shut down for a few months but I think with that kind of budget, we own one rig, we run our own rig with our own drillers. Uh, we get a lot of bang for our buck, so to speak, with our own work. And, you know, we're, we're quite excited about this new target and how it potentially connects and extends all the way four kilometers up to the end of the ore body. Uh, we're doing geophysics, geochemistry in the next three weeks, and we'll have two, two drills turning again. Uh, by mid to late February, and we should have steady results after that. Now, why are the recent higher grade results so important? Well, it's, it, it drives the economics on phase two. If you know, we think we're sitting on, you know, potentially something that could double our value. It will certainly at higher gold prices, but if we can get real value today for those sulfides by adding in other higher grade ounces to bring up the average grade. Our goal is really to turn out a preliminary economic study or a PEA of the sulfide expansion by the end of the year. And and part of the reason why we get no value for the sulfides today is the analysts can't can't really put a real value on it. They have to estimate themselves and why do that in a weak environment particularly when Orzone has kind of dented its resource. So clarity is good. We will, we will basically update and show what, what the real value of that is and certainly the sensitivity of the gold price. And I think that's going to you know, help us reach our goal of financing this mine at a much higher share price. Two-fold question again here for you. Can we expect to see more higher-grade sulfide ore and what impact could this have on the company and the project? Yeah, I, we're, we're optimistic there's other lenses around it. In the preliminary geophysics, we had the indication of several lenses. I'd mentioned the trend. We are on a shear zone, and that shear has mineralized many different rock types. 
if we move four kilometers further north, the average grades are slightly higher than the one gram. So maybe we are in a zone uh, that's better grade. Uh, a second priority target is right in the guts of the main zone where we've had a high density of five and 10 gram hits. And unfortunately, we can't drill there yet until we have our document. So if we get the document in the coming weeks, we will put an additional rig up there to drill, infill drill the oxides, which should lend to good grades in oxides. And then we will try to follow that better grade at depth to see if it might be a feeder for the whole deposit at better grade. And most of these deposits in the Brimian, in the region we are, that's an age of rock type. Um, we, you know, we're seeing better grades three, 400 meters down at many different deposits. We've never had the luxury or we've never had the, call it the, the need to drill that deep uh, because we've been finding so many ounces close to surface. You know, the ore body has about 30,000 ounces per vertical meter, which is, you know, typical of a, of a large gold copper porphyry. But if we show the market we've tied into a higher grade feeder, I think that's going to have a real positive effect on our stock. That's what we're trying to do in the next few months with this drilling. Now let's discuss some numbers. How much cash and cash equivalents do you have? Yeah, as I mentioned, we're paying off Sandstorm. Uh, we were currently sitting with about 30 million Canadian. Uh, that'll bring us down to about 25 million Canadian. Uh, our burn rate is about uh, 4 million, uh, let's call it all in 5 million with about 60 guys on the team in Burkina. Uh, and then we were roughly going to spend about uh, 4 to 5 million Canadian this year on the exploration and on the studies. So our goal is to you know end the year with at least half the treasury and be prepared in case you know the market the market still may go down before it goes up and we've learned uh, well that you know you want to you want to protect your balance sheet well you know we want to build this mine but you become more vulnerable if you if you get too cash poor and uh, you know we're cautious of that at the moment till we see a much better market. Now, how much debt do you have? Zero debt once we've paid off Sandstorm. That's really the only effective debt we had. Uh, so we can say, as of probably tomorrow, there's no debt. Who are the major shareholders? Sun Valley uh, out of Idaho. It's a large closed-end fund. They om almost own 20%. Uh, very smart, technical group looking for long-value gold deposits mostly. Um, several of our peers with similar scenarios, they're almost 20% holders there as well. Uh, Sprott, I would say, is probably 3 to 4%. Uh, the Van Eck Fund in New York would appear to own probably 8 to 9%. They have been as high as 13, 14. Uh, Equinox has now gone over 10%. They're a large resource fund out of New York as well. Um, we have uh, some new investors in out of Toronto. Uh, TD runs a resource fund called TDAM. Uh, Goodman & Co. has several percent. AGF, several percent. And management, of course, we own seven percent ourselves and we bought all of our stock. 
between all management directors, our average price is between eighty-five cents and a dollar five. We're currently trading at about, uh, I think, sixty-three cents today. That's a nice discount. <laughs> Any mm-hmm. thoughts on uh, financing the project this year? Yeah, I think we're, we're certainly going to demonstrate that the project will bear up to one hundred and fifty million in debt. This is U.S. The estimate in our study was two hundred and fifty million, and I think we're on our way to maybe reducing that by ten million. So the, you know, if I had to guess on the capital required in the new study, it might be slightly less than before. Uh, so you sum that up. We're we're realistically going to have to find at least a hundred million U.S. in equity, and I can tell you now, it doesn't make a lot of sense at these price levels. Um, you know. The alternative for every junior is that you're taken over by a bigger company, and we've demonstrate, demonstrated already that in, a, in tough times, uh, you know, we're all about returns to investors. It's not what management thinks it's best for itself or the fact that management can build mines, so it's going to do it at the, at the sake of, uh, of investors' returns. So we've really got, you know, door A and door B this year. All cards will be on the table after May. And uh, we'll either get rewarded in a great market by, you know, putting the band back together to build this thing at more accretive prices, or I think somebody will come to the table and want us to join their party to build the mine at a, at a better multiple. Now, what are your thoughts on the gold price this year? Well, I think, you know, this, you know, predicting the gold price is really not my expertise. It's finding them and building them. Uh, you know, I think we're going to see some some great volatility regardless uh, with Trump in place you know the joke in the street now is we're, we're only a couple of tweets away from a $1,500 price so you know anything that brings it up I think is going to be beneficial in the short term realistically I don't think we're going to see a better price above 1300 till the fall would be my prediction and uh, you know but once that starts once you know long-term interest rates, real rates creep in, we get inflation. Gold price long-term's headed in one direction, and and we're sitting on a hugely leveraged deposit that's become very rare. You know, I think investors, you know, really should be thinking long-term, particularly with us. You know, we're we're we've demonstrated to be very uh, tenacious and 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 practical about you know this project. And, and to extract the best long-term value for, for those investors. And um, so I think, you know, 18 months is my window when, when we really have an opportunity for a home run. And we're going to be very cautious about, uh, you know, any debt or any instrument unless it's part of a full project financing to build this mine. Mr. Little, last question. What did I forget to ask? <laughs> Well, I think you covered it quite well, actually. Uh, you know, if you hadn't asked about the uh, the mining code, uh, that was it. I mean, if you know, let's point at what keeps you awake at night because it's so uncertain, and we know it's such a poor country. You know, the incentive is there for them to try to you know get more for the country, and and I think uh, we'll have some explaining to do of you know why the country might deserve some of this, but. Um, you know, I again, I would rather see that change in a better market, not down here near the bottom when there's at least three or four of us that are ready, you know, this year to to step out and build more mines. I think 
you know, the government needs to be aware that more mines means more cash flow, not just a, a few more percent on top of what they have. And for investors, I recently interviewed Rick Rule and Doug Casey, and their number one criteria before they deployed capital, it wasn't the latent material in the ground, it's the people. Now, the last six months have been a big test for Orzone, um, but investors need to keep in mind that the most important aspects haven't changed, which are the people, the management, the board of directors, and the geological team are skilled professionals that are really focused on increasing shareholder value, which gives me the confidence to share with you the Orzone Gold Corp story. Uh, Ron, if investors want to get more information about Orzone, please share the contact information. Yeah, I'd say the best best thing to do is, is call us. We're a small team. We pick up the phone. We talk to everybody. So uh, call our Ottawa number, 613-241-3699. You can very quickly get to me. Talk to myself or Joe McCoy. Uh, we're typically around unless we're on the road. Uh, you can always send us an email of where to reach you as well at, at www.orzone.com. There's a, there's a link there. Uh, or PR at orzone.com. There's several links you can hit and, and we'll give you a call back. And last but not least, please visit our website, www.provenandprobable.com. Through Miles Franklin Precious Metals Investments, we offer gold, silver, platinum, and palladium, offshore storage, self-directed IRAs, and safe deposit boxes, which are fully insured and secured by Brinks. The website again, is www.provenandprobable.com. Ron Little of Orzone Gold Corporation. Thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Remember to like and subscribe for more conversations with the most respected names in the natural resource space. Check out our website at www.provenandprobable.com. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.